A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, guys. Adam here. Thank you so much for listening to the Front Free podcast. Just a quick heads up. Unfortunately, my microphone actually broke not long into recording this episode unbeknownst to me unfortunately you won't be able to miss it as such i'd like to apologize for the sound quality hopefully you don't find it too distracting and it isn't too much of a problem but apologies once again and enjoy the podcast It is Thursday, which means it's time for the Front 3 Q&A podcast with me, Adam Boltwood, and the one and only Dave O'Brien. Hello. Welcome back, guys. Thanks for getting us to number 17 at its peak in the last podcast. I want to thank the listeners for that. Nothing to do with me, nothing to do with Adam or Lawrence or Chris. It's you guys. It is. It is the whole. Great work. there. Thanks, guys. We cracked the top 20. Um, It doesn't happen often, but thank you so much uh, for getting us there. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Lawrence and Chris are not with us today. It's just the two of us, Dave, to get through all of the holes questions. Before all that, though, we should say our thoughts go out to the family of Graham Taylor, the former England, Aston Villa and Watford manager who died today at the age of 72. Yeah, the, you know, he, he took Watford from, I think it was around the equivalent of, of League 2 um, up until, up until the, you know, the, the first division and, um, you know, became was runners-up in 82-83 first division season in England and, uh, you know, he played a very direct style, he played a very Sam Allardyce, Tony Pulis style of football and was a big influence on how football was played in England. So it is a massive loss um, to one of the great tactics Petitions uh, uh, of, you know, our li- well, not of our lives, of before my life, but of the 80s, shall we say. Let's get into the Q&A podcast then. First up, as always on a Thursday, it's time for the whole of the week. Dave, give us the theme tune. It's the whole of the week. The whole of the week. Wow. Mirrors cracking right now in so many listeners' <laughs> houses. Sorry, guys. Um, it's time for the whole of the week. Comment of the week, guys. Um, all you have to do if you want to be whole of the week, if you want to be the best listener of the Front Free Podcast, all you have to do is leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. It really is that simple. This week's whole of the week goes to Hilts116, whose review is simply titled Unbelievable. The front three is quality. Loving to hear a mixture of different viewpoints. I'm going to say it one more time because I just knocked the microphone. The front three is quality. Loving to hear a mixture of different viewpoints from different teams. Love listening to the show and gutted there are not more episodes. Hilts, I've got some good news for you. The bonus podcasts are coming back. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. We first did a bonus podcast with the one and only Rory 
from CFC Fan TV way back in November. Uh, but it's time now, guys, to get them going again. We did promise they were coming every week. Didn't quite happen. But we've got some great guests lined up this week. I'm delighted to say we've got Gary Flavel, a.k.a. Flav, from the Fighting Cock podcast. I honestly thought you were about to say, we have got Gary Goals live on the podcast for the first time ever. <laughs> Gary Goals. That is, that's the ultimate. Like, we'll stop making the front three once we've hit that point because you, you, you're not getting any better than that. Um, for now, though, no, we have it. to settle. We've got to settle for Flav uh, from the Fighting Cock podcast and, of course, Ball Street on YouTube, which I know a lot of you guys enjoy. He's going to join us on Saturday morning to talk in-depth about Spurs and some of the problems and frustrations with modern football. So look out for that in your podcast feed. Um, a really great interview with him. It was a lot of fun to record. So hopefully you have a lot of fun listening to it. Questions, Dave. Only one place to start today, and that is Dmitry Payet. Slavin Bilic coming out today saying that the Frenchman is refusing to play for the club. He's gone on strike. Let's hear Bilic talking to the media earlier today. I got something for you, yeah, to tell you. Uh, had a situation with the player. It is Dmitry Payet. Uh, he wants to leave. The club, us, as I said so many times before, we don't want to sell him. We said hundreds of times that we don't want to sell our best players. We want to keep them. He is definitely one of them, or our best player. That's why we gave him such a long contract. Uh, I informed him with that, and he refused to play for us. Feel a bit sorry for some village. Sounds a bit depressed there, has to be said. Um, but as he said, Payet says he no longer wants to play for West Ham. Um, he's apparently missed training sessions in protest that he wants to leave the club. Village uh, insists they're not selling Payet, uh, who joined from Marseille for £10 million in June 2015. The news coming out this afternoon is that West Ham have rejected a £20 million from Marseille, um, trying to bring back... Dimitri Payet to the club. I mean, Dave, first, I'll probably get into the questions about this whole situation. What do you make of it all? It's pretty mental, isn't it, that a player, again, um, that's seen as, a, as an absolute hero at West Ham United, you know, those fans, are, they, they built a very special relationship with him in, in his short year there. And I, and I feel sorry for the fans. I really do. I feel sorry for these West Ham fans that have supported him, that have, you know, praised him for so long. And him just being like, oh, actually, lads, you know, after I did well at the Euros, after I'm in a pretty you know, probably in the peak of my career, I want to leave. I kind of accept his, I accept his decision, but why not make that in the summer? You know, keep that legacy at West Ham, keep that relationship with the fans. Now, I feel it's very bad time. The missing training is very unprofessional, very, very poor on his behalf. In terms of um, Slavon Bilic, he obviously had a similar instant, instance with West Ham when he was wanted to move for Tottenham a while ago. And in fact, called Harry Redknapp a bastard. So maybe Pets uh, seen that and been like, "Well, you've done you've done it, manager. So why don't I do that as well?" So maybe that is a, a slight loss loss of control from from Billich. I don't know. I'm reading a little bit into it, but I feel for the West Ham United fans. I don't expect West Ham to sell him. I think they'll force him to stay. Uh, to be honest, in this window, because I don't think they can afford to lose him in many ways, especially with the difficulties they have in this season. Um, but Michael Folletti writes in on Twitter. Thank you for your question. He said, "Do you think it's in Payet's best interest to stay in England or move abroad?" The suggestions are that he's upset and trying to force him away. He apparently wants to go back to Marseille, which I find 
I'm not sure I see his point of view there because surely, Dave, at this point, he should be aiming for a club that potentially can win league titles and potentially more. Um, it's an interesting one. Obviously, Dimitri Payet had a connection with Marseille and they sold him because they had to raise funds. They were going for a bit of a tricky time financially. Obviously, Thovan going as well because of the stadium build and so forth. You know, the club investing back into its own system. But it does seem like a weird one. It's something that um, I've looked into and will be, it should be, by the time you're listening to this, it will be on my, my YouTube channel, just to look at potential potential places where he could go. I've looked at three that could be quite interesting. So the question is, should he stay in England? I think he should go to Arsenal. I think wow. that Arsenal would be absolutely perfect for Payet. I think it'd be perfect for Wenger, per- perfect for Meza Ozil, perfect for Alexis Sanchez. Imagine that as a, as a three-pronged attack or, you know, the left side of a... Of a three two one with potentially Ramsey playing on that right hand side but also out there you know if you look at abroad if you're a Champions League team right and you and you have you've obviously got money because you're in the Champions League why are you not already put bid in for, why have you not already bid for Dimitri Payet for me that doesn't make any sense Payet's a player that could come on and make a difference in a massive game or potentially you start the, the volume of chances that he's created over the last season and a half or the last three to four to five years absolutely incredible he's up there with the, the elite chance creators in Europe so if you were Bayern Munich, if you're Real Madrid, if you're Barcelona, if you're any of those sides, buying Payet, if you don't consider it, for me, I think that's stupid because he's not cup-tied, because he can play in the Champions League, he can play for any of those sides and it's you know and it's absolutely fine. That's a big, big thing. That's upgrading your team. That little extra notch, you know, for example, it's not going to grass- massively upgrade the likes of Bayern Munich who have a plethora of wingers, the likes of Real Madrid, where Real Madrid potentially could upgrade um, with bailout and I think that it would fit there. Barcelona, again, they've got MSN. But you throw in someone like Payet in there as being another option, bang, you've massively upgraded yourself tactically um, in, and in terms of the diversification of how to unlock the door. And that's what some teams have, have been lacking at certain points. You think of Barcelona have not been at their best in central midfield. Maybe having someone like Payet that's so direct in that final third could be a good answer. But yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. As soon as you know, this morning, bang, straight on the phone to uh, David Gold. Yeah, we'll have Dimitri Payet. How much is it going to cost us? You have to say, though, Dimitri Payet, not particularly professional, going on strike, refusing to play for the club. Um, like you said, Dave, you can understand why he potentially wants to leave with the situation they're in, with it being a short career, with it being he's 29 now, you know, it could be time for him to move on. But, you know, uh, Marco Pepe Bielsa, great name on Twitter, writing in, uh, why are talented players such divas? Payet now, Eden Hazard last season, throwing tantrums when things don't go their way. I think that's a simple one. Uh, things usually go their way for players like this I think they're in a different world they're in their own bubble mm. um, everything's sort of uh, catered for them everything's sort of uh, made for for their comfort so when things you know when they want something they, they try and force it and think that they can uh, get away with it essentially but this has gone down terribly with with West Ham fans and you, you can't really blame them can you not at all yeah you can't blame them at all it's um I think it kind of what's quite interesting if we take away the football side of it and we look at like the psychological approach it's quite interesting um if we're applying the, the management style to these divas and quotation marks yes you do need to um potentially you need to manage your stars a bit different you know Eric Cantona with Sir Alex Ferguson was um you know a great example of that you know someone that got suspended for six months Ferguson kept him involved with the the team whatever and obviously repaid him and and helped the group of you know, the class of 92 progressed to where they got to and helped the United in the, the next few seasons. But, you know, the two examples you met there, Dimitri Payet um, and Eden Hazard. Let's start with Eden Hazard. So Eden Hazard at Chelsea, obviously Mourinho had started to lose control and didn't have that same, uh, you know, authoritarian approach that potentially in, in seasons past 
he had where it was his road or the highway. Aiden Hazard, Fabregas, potential player power, Timo Courtois, that's been linked for being the mole and being the guy uh, responsible for all that rubbish in the background, allegedly, um, could have been the problem there. But then you look, you go over to Bilic and I don't see him being that commanding leader. I see him being a bit too close to the players, being a bit too pally with the players. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm not in the dressing room. Yeah, exactly. And there's no, there's no gap between my world, the highway, and quite frankly, you know, you've got to sell them ASAP. That's what you've got to do. You've got to get them in. You've got to try and buy a striker. Obviously, West Ham lacking goals. I feel like with Mikel Antonio, um, you play him at right midfield. You've got a player that can create. You've got a player that can make things happen. So I'm not too worried about West Ham in that sort of sense. Uh, Payet's gone. Yeah, okay, bad egg. You know, see you later. But Bring surely the, the impact, left, left hand side. Surely the contribution he makes. Yeah, I, I think West Ham have bigger problems. I think the West Ham, the, the issue is not creating chance. I think they've got some very, very gifted technical players there that would be able to pull together. Like the likes of um, Andre Ayew, who's been injured for the whole season. He's a, he's a good player, very, very good player. Um, and he can step up and he can become this focal point at the side um, with the likes of Antonio, with the likes of Lanzini. So I'm not too worried in that category. It's defensively that they've looked very shaky, especially at right back. You know, we've seen, and left back, if... Um, completely lost the fella's name. The left-back of West Ham? Aaron Cresswell. Aaron Cresswell. Yeah, so when he's playing, West Ham look really, really good at the back on that left-hand side. When he's not there, massive worry. Same at right-back. So that's the big two issues for me, as well as up front, obviously. So if they can get this money mm. from Payet, sign a decent left-back, sign a, a very, very good right-back, you know, a higher quality right-back, and then a striker, you know, they link with this Hogan fella from Brentford, yeah. maybe they'll, they'll be all right. And Dimitri Payet will just be a distant memory. I feel it's quite similar for me when Carlos Tevez left United and it broke my heart. <laughs> Same boat for West Ham fans. And I've, guys, I, I feel for you. It happens. And um, if you want to come round to my house, I'll give, give you a hug. Uh, and a cup of tea? Yeah, because they found the house. So they get the double, they unlock like the they double. Get the tea. They unlock double that, They unlock that reward. It's like a video game. Um, exactly. Next question is from Izzy Savine Laclaus. Uh, thank you for your question. She tweeted us earlier saying, casually tuning into my first front three podcasts and the guys go fully in on the state of the country hashtag ideal um your rant did seem to be uh quite popular last week Dave. people enjoyed that i reserved them for certain times where Special moments. certain things have been getting under my skin for a while yeah and i think it's just um so you know we, we do talk about football and we should continue this as a football podcast but then when there is certain things that happen in your country that have been getting like, annoying you like been stabbing at you for That's so long football's not it doesn't exist in a in isolation you know all these other things affect it so no. i think it's interesting to, to to bring that into the conversation um the question from izzy though is apart from the financial gain what will the expansion of the world cup bring to football so infantino dave defending this expansion that was unanimously voted for by fifa uh, 248 teams at the world cup 2026 um, he's saying that the change is based on sporting merit. Uh, it's not about money. It's hard not to be cynical, though, when FIFA are going to make an extra £500 million reportedly from expanding the tournament, although Infantino claims that will be reinvested in the game. I mean, th there's reason to be dubious about that. And, of course, Infantino himself is up for re-election in 2019. It feels like his re-election bid has started already. Um, and, I mean, for me, it's just going to dilute the quality of the tournament, which is something that we saw in the Euros last year, Dave. Yeah, I think that was a big in championships. What Portugal went on to win the tournament, they didn't win a game in the group stages, which it, the tournament format's wrong if that can happen, if that uh, situation arises. It's, that's, it's completely wrong for me. What 
I'd hope it happened. What I'd hope that this would do was it it, it pushed the gift of football around the, around the world and you know these these you know countries that need a bit more development. You know the likes of uh, um, let's just say Liechtenstein for an example or Andorra or um, whoever are, are picking up you know more money and then you know it's going into the coaching system and then the young players are getting more training and, and so forth. In an ideal world, that's exactly what it would be. But unfortunately, I think we all know what it means. It means more games, more money, TV money, more. Mm. Uh, avenue I do. for sponsorship and so forth but it's just dependent on where that money goes That's I do like where the, the money goes or I feel like I can almost kind of see the romantic view of it and I think Infantino was trying to to put this across but again you just you, you can't help but sort of uh, be dubious about it all but he's trying to say you know if a, a country like say Liechtenstein like you're saying there or whoever qualifies for the World Cup the, the way he phrased it which I thought was uh, quite interesting was he said the, the, word, the world stands still for the World Cup, you know, it doesn't happen for a lot of events. It doesn't happen um, for a lot of things in life. And if you can, if a quali- if a country like that qualifies for the World Cup, the whole nation sort of is focused on that and is focused on football. And you'd hope that that sort of promotes the popularity of football um, around the world. At the same time, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a very rose-tinted way to look at it. Um, when you talk about how many groups of three are they talking about doing instead? It's going to be 16 groups of three teams that proceed to yeah. knockout stage of 32. I don't think they're doing it for purely benevolent reasons, even though Infantino would say it's football reasons. And the, the tournament itself, it feels like it is, it's making it worse, essentially. Um, you know, mm. What's going to happen in qualifying? What's going to happen in these groups of three to sort of determine who the top two are? There's talk of if there's draws, that those draws will go down to penalties to avoid you know uh, teams contriving to draw in order to knock out someone else. There's talk of the <laughs> rankings. There's talk of the rankings coming in. You know, if it's a deadlock in the group, that the rankings will be used as a factor uh, to determine where they it's finish. Such a load of rubbish, it's things it? like that. Where you, this uh, is like what. Well- you can look at it and go, yeah, yeah, you know, the quality could increase. We could see all these these incredible players uh, coming in who haven't had a chance to shine in an international tournament in these countries as well. We could see uh, some fantastic players and some fantastic teams, but at the same time, you think, well, the, the tournament's going to be the tournament's going to be worse. A forty-eight team World Cup is uh, it almost makes qualifying pointless as well. So it's um, it's 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 difficult to understand in in, in some ways, um, but. You know, it's almost unsurprising in others that FIFA would do this because you know they've. It feels like they've essentially ruined the World Cup, which is a real shame because, you know, with the overexposure football, we have so much football nowadays. You know, it's Friday night football. There's football almost every day of the week. It's hard to see an event as something. Even the Champions League, for me personally, you know, it's the same teams being drawn against each other every year. It's starting to lose that sort of special factor for me. The World Cup, though, is still the peak of that. But even recent World Cups, the quality seems to have dipped somewhat. And then, you know, in nine years' time, when this does eventually come along, the quality is going to be even worse, it feels like. I I just, I find it really, I I can understand why, you know, there's too much football these days and people don't like it, but I don't know. I think it's perfect, like because I'm a football fan and I love watching any game of football, any team because I find it so fascinating and interesting. I don't. I think it's a fine amount. I think the football every day is fine for me. It means I can pick up football anytime I want. And it, it's. I was speaking to um, Stu from Ball Street today, and he, he was telling me about how he used to buy um, clips of the Eredivisie on VHS. So he used to buy the games on VHS, and then they get sent two weeks later over. So say, for example, we're playing this Saturday. Two two weeks after that, he get the the video, 
And I think that we're in such a lucky position now where we are in our, you know, me as being um, in the position now where I want to progress into being a football analyst or, you know, doing that type of thing. And there's so much football for me to watch. I have such a big background of what I can talk about on the different little aspects of Italian defending, Spanish football, German football. I think I, I love it personally. And I do think, you know, the World Cup will lose a bit of its uh, shebang, shall I say, in, in terms of what it's going to get at the start. Shebang. But then when you get it's into the, the, the yes, last yes. 16, yeah, it's very technical, Adam. The last 16, the last eight, it's going to start, you know, you'll see teams emerge out of nowhere. And I, I still think it's going to be good. It's just the group stages are going to be a, it's going to be a bit slog, of, isn't it? A little Jesus. bit boring. Yeah. A bit of a, it'll um, be a slog. It'll be a long month. <laughs> I mean, on that note, uh, the next question comes in um, from Carlos Zaldivar on that uh, talk of yourself being a football analyst, Dave. He wants to know, you guys all work in football media. Um, Chris, of course, is a journalist. Uh, Lawrence is a, is, a, is a director. Myself is a, as a producer. And Dave uh, as a sort of an analyst slash presenter. Would you recommend a career in your respective fields? Um, obviously, can't speak for, for Chris or Lawrence who aren't here. But, yeah, uh, if you want to if you wanna be a producer, if you want to work in sort of digital media and stuff... I'd say the main thing is what better place to work or what better area to work in than, than something you're passionate about. It's always a job is always easier if you enjoy it, if you uh, are interested in, in, in what you're working on. And, you know, football's one of the main things in my life that I enjoy. So to get to do that every day and work on that and sort of be a part of the whole uh, game in some small, tiny way. Um, is uh, is great. I'd say that's the main thing. Do something you're passionate about, not necessarily um, the, the career itself, but if you can work in an industry or work in a job that you uh, are happy and, and, and passionate about working, then uh, I think you'd be laughing. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I think you've got to follow your passions, whatever gets you excited, whatever um, is there when, you know, you could do it every day, let's say, just something that you enjoy, really. There's no point in like, going through life and working a job that you find boring or working a job that makes you, uh, you know, not upset, but makes you sort of a depressing job where you go there and you hate what you're doing. I think you've yeah. got to follow that. And I think that's a bit of advice that I'd say, like, do what you want to do. Like mm. the world is, there's so many options in the world to, to go down. There's so many things you can do. Don't be stuck in, in the little chasm of doing something that you hate. Like if you don't like teaching, don't, don't do, be a teacher. Yeah. But then again, you know, there's always, life is, a, life is a journey. Life is very long. And, you know, we're working in football now. Three years time, we might not be. You know what I mean? There's, always keep your options open. Yeah, um, you know, I feel very lucky to be doing something I love. If you're lucky enough to do that, then um, you know that's uh, that's fantastic. Chase them dreams. Chase them dreams. Uh, Matt Brownie Cake, long time listener, long time friend. He said, "Have you ever met someone for the first time and then they slag off your team and you try not to pull faces?" Hashtag awkward. Hashtag my team is better than yours. Um, not that I can recall. Um, I, I definitely think it has happened. I can't think of a. Uh, a specific circumstance but yeah um spurs are somewhat of an unpopular team it kind of surprises me sometimes um because i'm always like well that's what spurs have done we, we were rubbish for so long um you know when i was growing up what have we done to offend you um yeah i mean surely go and hate chelsea go and hate man united you know who won everything during the 90s and 2000s hate me adam hate me go and go and hate liverpool or something you know i don't care but yeah, does anyone ever done that to you, Dave? Come... <laughs> it's like a personal like, like thing that really gets you. Why do you hate Spurs? We haven't done anything wrong. God I damn just it. find it a bit surprising because I, 
you know, obviously I'm biased, but I, I, I find Spurs somewhat inoffensive. Maybe it's the fans, I don't know. Um, has that ever happened to you, Dave? You've walked up and they've been like, oh, blah, blah, hey, man, United fans. You're like, all right, mate, how's it going? No, I like that. I like being hated. It's one of my favourite things in the world. You personally are a Man United fan. Everything, mate. You know, I like, I like, since them haters, come on, fire me up. Get me to where I want to go to. Tell me I'm shit. Tell me I'm rubbish, Adam. Oh, it's like, it's motivation for you, basically. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I like it, but I think I I United, like when that, the Fergie time, you can't really be like United is shit because they were always so dominant. It's like when David Moyes was manager and Van Gaal was manager. I hated it when people were like, United is so shit right now. When... I'm sitting there and I'm watching it like I'm watching 90 minutes probably two times a week and I'm like oh my god this football is just oh, it's just disgraceful and that was the thing that slightly annoyed me when people were like oh United are rubbish this year and I'm like I bloody know what do you think I've been closing my eyes when the games are on anyway <laughs> football's about opinions Adam. it's all about opinions uh, Santi says what should I eat for dinner I recommended a hearty spaghetti bolognese you can't go wrong beautiful pasta nice tomato sauce um, you know, a, a rich garlicky flavour in there. Get some celery in there. Get some carrots in there. Mushrooms do not hurt either. Um, that's what I recommended, Dave. What would you recommend that Santi cooks for his dinner? Ooh. So spaghetti bolognese is a good one. If you want to cheat as well, the Lloyd Grossman sauce is very, very good. Probably my favourite. I've tested it is pretty good. a lot of them out. It is pretty but good. But in terms of what I'm eating right now, got a bit of dal. Um, which Ooh. is absolutely delicious. Got off one of my mates. His mum cooked it, and it's it's probably the best doll I've ever had. His mum um, cooked so shout out Dow, to specifically, mom. or it was just it was just left over. Uh, no, no. So I oh, no, I think she might have done actually. I think it was like a I might give some, some to Dave. So yeah, what, what hero? So yeah, dal. Maybe some Indian food. Indian food is always great in flavour and cheap to very very cheap to cook if you're using like chickpeas, lentils, things like that. So if you're working for a budget, Indian food is where you want to go. Decent mate. Me and you might head out to uh, Tayabs later. Wonderful Indian restaurant in Whitechapel. Guys, uh, if you're in London, go and check it out. It is decent. Next question is from John Gibbons. One of the best. One of the best. Uh, John Gibbons, weirdly enough, the question is for Adam and Dave. It's perfect uh, for this podcast. Uh, The front two themselves. Which would you rather win this season if you could only win one, the Europa League or the FA Cup, and why? Now, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave. I think we would both say the Europa League because yes. obviously you qualify for the Champions League there's that sort of game there um, great to win the, you know what was formerly the UEFA Cup as well get another one of them on the belt the FA Cup you've already won it you won it last year of course so you know you've already yeah, had that right. glory so for me I'd love to win the FA Cup because there's a certain <laughs> romance to it uh, for the first time since 1991 I think it'd be fantastic to Spurs to get another trophy the first since 2008 you know it's almost 10 years now it'd be great to, to get some silverware but the Europa League has the added bonus of you're in the Champions League you know you're in lads so yeah I think the, the um, I definitely think Europa League but for me it's not really about anything about the Champions League I, I like the Europa League as a tournament I like it as it's this the second um, big European thing I think the European Cup is the biggest tournament in world football so the Europa League for me is second 
I really enjoy it year on year. You see teams that emerge out of nowhere that play some really good football. You diversify in your knowledge mm. and so forth. Uh, the FA Cup, I still like it and I can appreciate the FA Cup, but the Europa League's got that extra mystique about it. It's going away and whatever. Just a little thing on the, the FA Cup as well, just for Man United fans to, to remember that Marouane Fellaini scored the winner in the semi-final of the FA Cup and then he got the assist in the final. But Bastian Schweinsteiger gets um, a, a larger round of applause when he enters and leaves the field. That's just a little reminder, guys, to sort yourselves out. Sort yourselves out. <laughs> Um, Sandini said should this be Wenger's last season if so will they face similar consequences to Sir Alex leaving Manchester United I think it's getting harder and harder for people to make the case that Arsene Wenger should stay um, I think we're always waiting for that moment where Wenger could leave after a trophy ideally after winning the Premier League again you'd love to see Wenger achieve that for Arsenal after all this time uh, and step down I think it's looking less and less likely to happen. If it was going to happen, it was going to happen last season um, when it was so up and down, it was so crazy. That was Arsenal's chance. I think now you look at, say, Conte at Chelsea, you look at, say, what Klopp's doing at Liverpool, you look at what is doing at Spurs, you can see the progress, you can see the way things are moving, and it's hard for me, uh, for people to convince me that, yes, Arsene Wenger is the man to lead, lead Arsenal forward. I think it's time to move on now. It's time to get someone else in. Um, we've spoken before about how they probably missed their chance to get in someone like Pep Guardiola, like Jurgen Klopp, who could, who could uh, inherit the project and, and evolve it and take it to the next level. But I still think uh, it's time for Arsenal to move on, Dave. Absolutely not, Adam. The grass isn't always greener on the side. As a Man United fan, I've taken that right in the face. It is greener. They with the have... likes of David Moyes. No. See, this is the thing. It's all, it it's all based on... The next manager that's coming in um, is going to instantly do it. Yeah, Carlo Ancelotti would be a great shout um, in terms of how we could push the side Ooh. on. They could drop a little bit more counter-attack and that would be absolutely perfect. Or someone like Max Allegri. He's probably my favourite manager in the world at the moment, Max Allegri, in terms of his tactical diversity. Currently playing a, um, a Christmas tree formation at Juve with Pjanic and Dybala behind Gonzalo Higuain. Great stuff over there. But the grass, again, the grass isn't always greener. Don't, you know, Arsenal saying. fans are now, yeah, Wenger's this, Wenger's that. Yeah. But what has he done for the club? Like, just get behind him. Yeah, the, the, the negativity saying, and I, the, the players can feel it. I'm saying. But I think it's got saying, to do with this and, and so forth. It's, go, go on. on. Go on. You what? I'll fight you. <laughs> what I'm saying is, I'm not saying they shouldn't be getting behind the manager. Um, I'm not saying it will be an instant success and there will be those issues that happen, uh, as happened to, to Manchester United when Stradix left. Although, um, you know, in hindsight, perhaps David Moyes was the wrong appointment and then. And the, the consequences wouldn't have been so severe if they had made a different appointment. Um, but I think it's just time to move on. It's got to happen at some point. Why not now? Why not potentially when there there could be certain managers, as you mentioned, who may be available? It's got to happen at some point. Just do it now. Um, so that I imagine Allegri is going to be at Juve for maybe another two seasons, maybe a season and a half. So at the end of this year, Allegri ain't going to be available. Carlo Ancelotti's just taken over at Bayern Munich. He's usually... You know, his cycle is two years minimum, so he's not likely to leave there. So it leaves you with nothing. I reckon, right, something stupid's going to happen, like Thierry Henry will turn up or Lee Dixon will be the manager. Oh, and then Arsenal dear. will go through a period like United where they'll be in transition for three years. And Arsenal fans will be on Arsenal fan TV being like, we should have kept Wenger. What are you fucking talking about? You know what I mean? Like, That's pretty come on, guys. Who are they going to um, get Alan Pardew They should get a good Big British Sam's manager, gone. Dave, like Thierry Henry. It just makes sense. <laughs> um, K 
Kenny, Kenny J. Rabolo <laughs> says, can Real Madrid win their first ever treble this season? Um, the league is not nailed on, but it's looking ominous for them, as we said on the weekend review, Dave. Um, a Champions League, no one's ever done it back to back, which makes me think perhaps uh, it will be another, it will be tough for Real Madrid to do that. But the form they're on, this winning undefeated streak they're on. Um, you know, it's, it's possible, Dave. I'm going to take some more stick from Real Madrid fans on Twitter and say that this for this unbeaten streak has been rather fortuitous. And this weekend, Sam Pauli, Sevilla are going to hand them one hell of a beating and they're going to drop down. Wow, that they're is a bold prediction. They're going to take prediction. a beating there. That is the sort of bold prediction I like. Um, and if they don't... <laughs> And if they don't sign Dimitri Payet, they ain't winning Jack this season. Wow. You want Real Madrid to sign Dimitri? <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a slight joke, yeah. I, no, I there's bowls shouts all over the shop. Yeah, sorry, Adam. Um, uh, Ajden. There's a, there's a title for you, mate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ajdenen said, what is your favourite ice cream flavour? Great question. The answer, the correct answer is... Chocolate chip mint ice cream, absolutely deadly ice cream. Um, you know, if you're in the if you're in an ice cream shop or whatever. Otherwise, um, maybe a bit of strawberry cheesecake, Hagen Dazs, the stuff you can get in supermarkets. That's pretty pretty decent. Uh, Dave, hit me. Have you ever had apple crumble ice cream? No, I haven't. But it sounds bloody like great, unbelievable. How do they do that? Yeah. How does that make? Big not, fan of that. that doesn't make. I like apple crumble with a bit of ice cream. Yeah, apple so cr- how does like that even work? Combine both. But where's the crumble? the crumble? Where's the crunch? Like, it was sort of like an apple. The crumble was like kind of on top. It was like basically it was like an apple crumble. But imagine you got a crumble top layer, ice cream second layer, and then the apple the third layer. Oh, it was insane! Absolutely insane. But that, I th- I've only had that once in my life, I think. But it was great. Apart from that. I'm going to go Raspberry Ripple because that's a basic ice cream that any guy can get. You know, you've probably got to search long and hard for this apple crumble ice cream, but Raspberry Ripple, any shot, sorted. Basic, very basic, but I like it. I like it a lot. Um, Question here from The Shining Ocean. Nice name. Uh, Chelsea have just been granted permission for a new stadium. Is the increased capacity worth the struggle moving causes? as far as I knew, they've got permission for an expanded stadium. Uh, they're going to rebuild Stamford Bridge. Uh, the capacity is going to go up to 60,000. Um, it's going to cost at least £500 million. Could be ready for the 2021-22 the seasons. Obviously, they've got to relocate while that work's going on. Uh, need a temporary home for around three seasons. Could be Wembley Stadium. Um, Tottenham supposed to have a ground sheet share deal in place for next season there at Wembley, um, which might make that a problem, although they haven't confirmed that. Um, they could also go to Twickenham. That's a potential option. Um, you know, it's not ideal, Dave, but these sort of things have to be done in order to, to make make rebuilding and, and make expanding a stadium a reality. And that is a necessity, it seems to be, in this day and age where, you know, uh, although match day revenue 
is almost declining in its importance to the clubs with TV revenues ever growing, it still is a massive revenue stream for, for these clubs and, and getting those seats in and getting those paying customers in every single week um, does sustain uh, your revenue streams and your business. Yeah, massively. I think we're, with, with Chelsea, they've kind of missed a trick um, since Abramovich has taken over. Obviously, he's pumped loads of money into the club, but they never expanded the stadium. So if we're just looking at revenues to compare um, what they're getting out of stadiums club by club, big, big difference between the top five clubs being um, Real Madrid top, Arsenal second, Bayern Munich fourth, sorry, Barcelona third, and then Manchester United fifth. The gap between Chelsea and sixth is pretty big. It's 22 million euros from what Chelsea are getting in revenue per season versus what Man United are. Chelsea at 85 million euros, United at 107. So this stadium should have come a lot earlier in the Abramovich era. It should have been one of those things. They focus on youth development. They focus on the stadium. And that's a, that would have been a good pillar um, in, the, you know, in Chelsea's evolution under Abramovich. And unfortunately, it's been a bit late, but it's happening now, which is good. So it is about climbing back in you know, Liverpool, obviously, as well, expanding their stadium, um, and getting more cash that way. So I think it's a, it's a clever thing to do. But again, on the stats there that I just read off, only Real Madrid have made more money from their stadium in 2015 than Arsenal. So Arsenal are going to be an interesting proposition in coming years. Mm. Question here from John Shin, long-time listener, long-time friend. Another food-based question. Um, first off, he says, favourite pasta sauce... And then he said, what is your alcohol pairing? I assume with that pasta sauce, is it wine? Is it beer? Um, my favourite pasta sauce, I mean, it's hard to beat a bolognese for me. I do love a little arabiata, a bit of a spicy tomato sauce. I've got a bit of a homemade pasta recipe I go for, which is chicken, spinach, sweet corn, and a bit of chorizo in there. It's, uh, it's pretty good. Um, and you've got to go for red wine with that. Red wine, you put it in the sauce, you drink a glass, happy days. Uh, what are you saying, Dave? Yeah, no, I reckon bolognese is, is probably number number one. But I do like, um, I prefer the tomato-based pasta sauces than your your white sauces. But yeah. I definitely want to get yeah. back into, I want to cook a carbonara at some point. You know, a classic carbonara, no cream. Dangerous. One that, um, you know, you throw, you throw the yolk in and whatever, and it's delicious. But yeah, I prefer red red sauces over white. So anything with tomato base is very nice. Arabiata, I like once in a while, but not every day. Um, I quite like, you know, your prawn linguinis, that type of thing. But yeah, it's got to be red wine with red sauces, unfortunately. No beer. Not of a, not of a pasta, you know. You have one maybe before with your star. You have one after. I agree. Got to get a bit of red, red wine going. I think that's what, if I was to do a front three come dine with me sort of thing, I might do a little Italian sort of menu, you know. Oh, spaghetti bolognese and that. The... Shit. What would you cook? We've got to do it. To impress We've got to do lads. it, right? We've got to fucking do it. I don't, I don't know what I'd do, actually. I'd either go really super fancy or I'd cook something like standard, like sausage and mash, and then just be like, I'm what? Have that, know, lads. Like Wolf of Wall Street type thing. Just stand there above the table like... I don't know if you're entitled oh, you're to have that attitude if you bang down bangs and mash. You can't have that attitude. Yeah, but these... Bang- You've got to do no, something I, see, with finesse, with talent. About bangers and mash, Adam. Mate, bangers and mash, you haven't tasted, man. So you can't know- throw these accusations at me, mate, without even sucking, you know, are tasting fr- Are you, like, the, freshly the making the sausages with your own bare hands, or is this, like, just store Yeah, Because well, then, then that's a whole different situation. Challenge accepted. Wow, okay. Yeah, homemade bangers and mash. Wow. Um, I'm pretty confident <laughs> that you're losing the front three come down with me. But, um, you know, um, I've made predictions in the past and been horrifically wrong. So, um, 
you know, not a great track record <laughs> so far. Um, next question is from Luke Dorr, another long-time listener, another long-time friend of the show. Thoughts on Premier League target Bakayoko, Dave? So, um, luckily I've, I've been able to see him live this season, so it gives me even more of a an analytical approach over the player. I, I do like him, I think he's... He's very physical. He keeps things quite safe with the ball at his feet. You know, it is Fabiano that is dictating the play there. But those two as a pairing work very, very well. Fabiano is the guy that sort of holds his position. He's spreading the play left and right. He's sort of dictating the plays, breaking up. And Bakayoko sort of that link between the the midfield and the attack in a way. He's very good at carrying the ball. Um, his dribble conversion or dribble completion, should I say, is around 71%, which is pretty decent. That's up to the levels of Paul Pogba, but he's very much a different dribbler than Pogba. You'd say Pogba's classic year eight playing against the year, year seven dribbler where he's using his athletic ability and his skills and so forth Bakayoko is more about power you know he's he's got like a little um it's like a little feint off his right foot uh, that he uses to get going but it's that motion of getting going and then he uses his power and his physicality to get past players very very good at like you know winning tackles and so forth very very tall powerful so it'd be an asset to any Premier League midfield team but it's finding that relationship and that role with a partner partner which could be quite interesting because at Manchester United for example would Paul Pogba have to play a little bit deeper would Paul Pogba have to become that number six if he was going to play with Bakayoko or would Bakayoko be a Victor Wanyama of Manchester United would Pogba still play in the same position but then United would have to go to a potential change their formation and there's a lot of questions there Chelsea potentially a little bit simpler you know you're thinking of what they could do there in, in central midfield would be a direct place for, for, for Kante or Matic either of one of those players could easily be transitioned out with Bakayoko or even quite interestingly maybe on the left hand side left wing back right wing back very I think he's quite a be technical ability he's got the strength he's got all the raw materials to play anywhere so he, he, he'd be a good player to have in your team or your he's squad got the minerals uh, is what you're saying Dave um, that is, John, yeah, John says thoughts on the Arsenal contract renewals two key names missing um, this is of course the news that Olivier Giroud Laurent Koscielny and Francis Coquelin, the French contingent at Arsenal, have all extended their contracts with the club. Koscielny uh, signing until 2020. One of the best Arsenal players, one of the best centre-backs in the Premier League. So uh, good news for Arsenal fans. However, as Johnny's alluding to there, Dave, Meza Ozil, not there at the moment, hasn't signed a new contract as of yet. Alexis Sanchez as well, another player who hasn't signed a new contract. Both of them. I believe their current contracts expire in the summer of 2018. So if they don't sign those contracts, uh, the worry would be that Arsenal would have to sell them this summer uh, in order to uh, in order to raise a, a significant fee for them. Myself and Chris did discuss the Alexis Sanchez situation uh, and a potential move to PSG on the Front Free YouTube channel this week. Do go and check it out um, to hear our thoughts on that. As for Meza Ozil, though, Dave, he came out earlier in the week um, talking about how his future depends on Arsene Wenger, whether he's going to sign a new contract or not. Do you think maybe that, you know, putting aside for a second, I said this in the video of Chris, that Arsenal shouldn't be in this situation. They should be in a situation where players of the importance of Sanchez and Ozil, who are the, the two most important players on that team, are allowed to get within 18 months of uh, the end of their contract. Do you think maybe they should let a player like Ozil go maybe they, they could replace it <laughs> let him go yeah first before i answer this question adam stop what you're doing open up a browser on google chrome 
um, and make sure you type in T H E F O N T. Well, I've put that up. Three. You actually. I think you missed out on R. Um, yeah, let's start again. Quite incredible. I'm not editing. Let's start again. Just kidding. Adam, don't make me look stupid again. T H E F R O N T. Three. The number three, not the word. Um, yeah. yeah, do head there. Uh, not the font free. You don't want to eat yeah, this rubbish. That's just no, no. Uh, the front free no, is the way you want. I can't believe I spell that wrong. <laughs> I thought the internet glitched. I hope the internet glitched, but no. You, uh, you yeah, no, it did. It glitched, guys. It yeah, glitched. sorry. I spelled no, it right. Totally right. F O X T letter three. Do go and check it out. Um, but yeah, what do you make of this whole situation, then? <laughs> Uh, it's terrible from Arsenal's perspective. It's stupid. They should be breaking their wage structure because, unfortunately, we've moved to a period of modern football where money, you just got to pay it. To stay competitive, you've got to pay that cash. And to lose some two of their best players um, in recent years would be suicidal for Arsenal and would be a step in the wrong direction. And I, I feel... Oh, I feel for, they'd be, they'd for be shooting fans, themselves in the um, face in many ways if they were to... Uh, they would be like, yeah. like that Real Sociedad defence at the weekend yeah. they'd be shooting themselves in the face exactly um, next up we've got to talk about Man United Liverpool Dave uh, the question coming in from James he says are Manchester United going to win Liverpool not good enough um, I think Liverpool are good enough I think it's going to be a great game um, at Old Trafford Dave what are your thoughts going into this one well, the bus is coming out again, I think, Adam. Um, I think United will... Actually, I don't know. It's, it's a real tough one because Liverpool have struggled you know, against, against Southampton. They were awful. They were really, really poor in the final third. They didn't have any creativity. They did, you know, they did really lack Coutinho in it and his um, the movement. And when he came on, they looked a little bit better, but they still look very, very poor. I think one of the interesting ones is Jordan Henderson. Lucas is just absolute trash on the ball. And Jordan Henderson, forever, you know, the criticism he gets has been very, very good at defensive midfield on the ball. He's completed more passes than any other Premier League player, I think, this season. So he has been really good and gone a bit under the radar um, for his importance in this Liverpool team. And I feel without him, they do struggle. But I think he's back this weekend, so it's going to be a great game. It's going to be brilliant. United are banging in form. What could um, win 10 in a, If they beat Liverpool, it's 10 in a row. Wins, which is incredible considering the start Mourinho had. And United are looking good and they're looking dangerous. The likes of Anthony Martial... Uh, Mkhitaryan on the counter-attack that could be dangerous for Liverpool because Southampton exposed them a lot Southampton should have won that game 3-0 you know you think of the the chance that uh, Cedric squandered the chance that Nathan Redmond squandered in the first half a brilliant save from Carrius who I, I've got to admit has had a really good week a brilliant week um, you know they did look vulnerable they looked really vulnerable Clavan another big, big mistake positionally very very poor um, made a massive error for the goal uh, that was taken very well by Nathan Redmond but Liverpool look like they could be exposed on the counter-attack again. And it kind of feels a little bit like the Borussia Dortmund of Jürgen Klopp's last season where the creativity wasn't quite there and they're, they're taking things, they're rushing, they're not, you know, they're not waiting for that moment to, to play that incisive pass. They're just shooting a goal and they're not embracing the Brazilian flair that they did at the start of the season. Mm. But anyway, with Coutinho back, I think it's going to be a really interesting game. Going to go 2-1 United. Let's do the final question because um, we unfortunately ran out of time today. Uh, the question is simply at 28L5L. Any chance you can get the podcast on Spotify? I have no idea, but um, it's something that I will look into uh, between now and next week. I will see if we can get the podcast on Spotify. 
that would uh, I think that'd be nice. That'd be cool. I'll try and do it. Uh, anyway, guys, um, slightly short podcast this week um, without Lawrence and Chris. We got for as many questions as we can. Do keep them coming in on Twitter at the front three with the number, not the word, and definitely not at the font three. A completely different group of lads, uh, our rival podcast in many ways. Um, guys, mm. thank you so much for listening to the Q and A, Dave. Until next week, where can the good people find you? Well, firstly, obviously, you go to the Front for YouTube channel and just click all the videos because there's loads of good ones that come out. There's great analysis on Man City. There's some brilliant stuff from you and Chris about the you know, the thing that we mentioned before, Arsenal, Alexis Sanchez, PSG. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also jump on to, to Statman Dave if you want to see a little bit of Dimitri Payet, where he should end up. Do. Go and check that out, guys. Do fun. go and check that out. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Boltwood. Do look out for the bonus pod coming up on Saturday in your podcast feed with Flav, a really interesting conversation. Uh, we had a great time recording it, so hopefully you'll have a great time listening to it as well. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Enjoy the weekend's football. Uh, Enjoy the weekend's football, and we'll see you on Monday.